0: this is the jocko underground podcast number 78 sitting here with echo charles ec yes sir and me jocko we'll link. calandra's barometer we're going to talk about this so this is an urban legend um it's uh, something that was written about by a guy named alexander calandra calandra something like that he was a, he was a test designer someone that makes tests and he made tests for a living and so he wrote this thing about how to ask good questions versus bad ones and he published this story in 1959 1959 the story was originally done um and it was published it got published many times throughout the years after that but the story goes something like this Um, there's a professor that asks a question on a test. And the, t- the question on the test is something like, how would one find the height of a building using only a barometer? And the correct answer being, or one correct answer being, the, the anticipated answer is that you, well, you would take a reading at the bottom of the building of the barometer and then Take a reading at the top and then find the difference and then calculate the height based on the change in the barometer. That's the the right answer. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there was a bunch of other answers that came in. You know, one person said "Uh, tie a rope to the barometer, lower it off the building, then measure the rope. Someone else said measure the shadow of the building and measure the shadow of the barometer and you know the height of the barometer and then you can calculate the height of the building. Uh, another one said, mark the height of the barometer on the wall as you go up the stairs, like each barometer. And you know that the barometer's whatever, 12 inches tall. Mm. And then you multiply it, time the number of barometers it took to get to the top of the building. Now you know how big the building is. Someone else said, drop the barometer off the roof, calculate the time, what's the, how long did it take to hit the bottom, what's the terminal velocity of the barometer. Someone else said trade the barometer with the building superintendent who has the information (laughs) and it goes on and on, right? Mm. So there's a lot of different answers to this question. And what can we learn from this is that number one, formulate, of course, formulate better questions when you ask them. But from a leadership perspective, (sighs) there's more than one ways to skin a cat and the 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 less the less structure you can give someone when you ask them a question or you ask for information or you ask for an idea or ask for a plan the broader you're going to the broader variety of answers you're going to get whereas if you give your opinion first um, you're going to encumber other people's ideas with your own ideas there was something. What was it? Uh, General Mead in Gettysburg. I think I might even said this on the last underground podcast. General Meade at Gettysburg, he would allow the junior people to give their ideas first. This is the same type of thing. But I think even more important than that is the fact that for anything that there is, for any problem that you're trying to solve, there's gonna be more than one solution. There's gonna be more than one solution. And from a leadership perspective, it is definitely better to allow the team to use one of their ideas instead of trying to impose your idea on them. And we've, I've talked a million different times about the reasons for that. But this works not just in business, it works at home. Works with your kids, works with your spouse. We always think our idea is the best, right? Who, <laughs> what's the best idea, mine. <laughs> Right? But allowing others to execute, to come up with and execute their own plan is almost always the best course of action. They get ownership, they push through obstacles, and they win, which means you win. So, there you go. That's my short message of the day, yeah. of the underground, is there's more, there's more than one way to skin a cat. Yeah. You know, I, I, that, that really freed my mind in the SEAL teams. Yeah. It really freed my mind because in the SEAL teams, everyone's a tactical genius, right? Everyone's like, no, you should, you should hit the target from here. No, you should go in a room like this or no, you should go in a room like that. Mm. And it really freed my mind when I was like, well, you know, you could go in the room that way or you could go in the room that way. And they're both... They're both, they're both gonna have advantages and disadvantages. Yeah. Now look, you could have somebody that's like, ooh, going like this, and it'd be a dumb idea, because yeah. it's not ta- tactically sound, but mm. there could be three or four tactically sound solutions to a problem. Yeah. And when I figured that out, and I figured that out pretty early, then I was like, oh yeah, it doesn't really matter. Like, you could go this way or you could go that way. Mm. You could hit the target from here, you could hit the target from there. And by the way, then you throw in the entire idea that the enemy gets a vote, mm. and like, "Well, we're gonna hit it from this direction. Okay, why? Well, because Intel says the enemy's going to be over here. okay, but Intel can be wrong. And then what are we going to do? There's a when you when you assault a target,
1: mm.
0: you set up a base element and you set a maneuver element. So the base element, let's say, is going to sit on a ridge line, mm. and they're going to engage the target with machine guns, and then the 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 maneuver element maneuvers to the target. And then maneuvers through the target as the base element shifts fire off the target.
1: Mm.
0: Can you picture that? Yeah. It's a little hard to picture. Yeah. But basically, you have like an L setup. Mm. Okay. And one part of the L is the base element. They got machine guns and they're going to light up the target. And while the enemy is distracted by that and keeping their heads down and getting shot at, that allows the maneuver element to maneuver up into position and and, and push through the target, yeah. and as you push through the target, the base element shifts fire so they're not shooting you
1: right.
0: and then you get through the target, the target's secure
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I remember really long time ago we had a I was in a platoon and we had like a base element and a maneuver element for this target that we were doing a target assault out in the desert and uh, the platoon commander. Was like hey we're gonna take all of our machine guns and put all of the machine guns in the base element that seems to make sense because the base element like you want massive firepower from the base element Mm -hmm. and the guys that are on the maneuver (coughs) element they're maneuvering Mm -hmm. so you want guys with smaller guns you know they're not carrying a big belt-fed machine gun they're just walking through the target with their little m16 and just hitting point targets
1: yeah
0: so it's like cool yeah okay that makes sense well the Master Chief was like hey what happens if the maneuver element gets compromised as they approach the target? Mm. Meaning before the base element has started shooting, the the maneuver element, the enemy sees them and they start to shoot at the maneuver element. Well, there's a decent chance that what you need to do is then lay down fire and let the base element start the maneuver, mm. which means we actually want machine guns in both of the two elements,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but but I just remember thinking to myself, oh yeah, so this we we have a plan, but that plan is not guaranteed to happen yeah. at all. And this was coming from like a Vietnam SEAL that was like, hey, you need to have machine guns. That was when I realized you need to have machine guns with you, yeah. like like period, yeah. like base maneuver recon. You you have some machine guns. Yeah. Machine guns are like what you need in a gunfight. Yeah. But I realized, like, oh, so th- these things aren't going to go as we expect them to yeah, go. Yeah. And then I started realizing, like, and, and again, that was one of those situations where I was like, well, you could see where it makes some sense to put people in the base, put all the machine guns in the base element. But at the same time, you're like, mm, as soon as he brought that up, it's like, no, that actually doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. It actually doesn't make sense to do that. Yeah. Now you could have extra machine guns in the base element. That's cool. But the but the maneuver element still has to at least be able to act as a base if it does get into a situation where it's needed. So those kind of situations, I eventually learned that most of the time, it was like, oh yeah, we could do it that way, or we could do it that way, Mm. or we could do it this way. And I didn't get, I I was never a person that got super hung up on this way or that way. I was never someone that got super hung, hung up on six or half dozen.
1: Mm.
0: There's people that get caught, caught up on six or half dozen. Yeah. They're like, no, it should be six. And they're like, no, it should be half dozen. No, it should be six. No, it should be half dozen. Mm. I don't agree with you at all. Yeah. I hope you burn in hell. Yeah. They fight sure. over it. They fought, I've yeah. seen people fight over six or a half dozen. Yeah. So I learned not to do that. Yeah. I learned that there was just, if there's a reason there's an expression, there's many ways to skin a cat. Yeah. Hey, hey look, I'm not saying that you can't come up with something that's not tactically sound. Believe me, there's yeah. times that guys come up with ideas and it's like, yeah, that doesn't make any sense, here's why. Yeah. What happens if the enemy does this? Ooh, yeah, yeah, we better not do that, okay. You only have to tell somebody once, yeah. and then they, then they put that in their calculus from there on out. Yeah. But there's more than one way to skin a cat so, keep an open mind, don't get addicted to your own plan, and of course, have machine guns with your maneuver element. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that's the lesson right there.
0: Check, all right, let's get some questions. What do we got?
1: <clears throat> uh, first question, dear Jocko Echo, my wife is from China and I'm a Caucasian American. She immigrated here about 14 years ago and worked her own way to get her citizenship She's an American in spirit and values, living, in American dream, living the American dream. We have two amazing young children who are just entering elementary school. We've been teaching them as much as we can about American values, especially the value of freedom, the amazing opportunity immigration, immigration provides and why so many people want to move here. My question is, what advice would you have for raising half Chinese children with the growing divide with China politically? I'm worried both I'm worried both for my kids' experience and my wife's, who may begin to experience discrimination because, because of her background. Again, she's a true American and believer in the American way of life. I fear if she would ever lose that. I fear if she would ever lose that. How can I best support my family in the years to come? Thanks for everything. I've been on the path for years now, and it's it has changed my life and all those around me. Thank you.
0: Um, I. Yeah, I think now's a great time for you and your wife and your children to be here in America I think people are actually becoming very educated uh, right now about China and its history and I think that People in America understand the oppressive regime that runs the country of China and I think I think that people in America understand that people outside of China and many people that are still in China do not wanna live in that tyrannical type of society. So I think it's actually, a, I think it's gonna be fine. Um, I think, you know, look, America's filled with a bunch of different ethnicities, uh, including 5 million Chinese Americans, by the way. Uh, 19% Hispanic, 6% Asian, 1% native, 14% black, and 60% white. So America's a big melting pot. And if I were you, um, I would treat my kids like kids. I don't think I would make race an issue at all. I think I would just treat them like kids. And uh, you know, if your kids had red hair, someone would make fun of them because they had red hair. If your kids had uh, freckles, they would get made of fun of at some point because they have freckles. If your kids are Chinese, someone's gonna make fun of them at some point because they're Chinese. If they were white, someone would make fun of them at some point because they're white. So they're just gonna grow up. They're just gonna be kids. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't really make you know race into a big issue with them. I wouldn't have them thinking about it. I think we teach our kids about race. I think you, you go watch a bunch of kids in a the playground. Mm-hmm. They don't really care. Um, who they're, they're care, they care who's nice to them and who wants to play with them and they don't care what color they are or whatever. They don't really care about that. So I would not focus on this. Um, I, I think a lot of time, the only people that see how we're different than other people is us. Mm. You know, I think that, that happens a lot of the time. You know, you this happens with leaders that are you know, inexperienced.
1: Mm.
0: And they think everyone can see how inexperienced I am and they think I'm a loser. Like, like, no, they kind of look at it, but then they're just like, oh, well, he's here for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, someone that uh, hasn't been to college. And they think everyone cares that they haven't been. Sure, there's gonna be two or three people that are like, oh, you didn't even go to college. Yeah. There's a bunch of people that are like, oh, yeah, hey, man, you're doing a great job.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, you don't have a cool car, right? Everyone thinks I'm in a piece of crap car. Actually, no one really cares about your car. You know, Again, there's gonna be two or three people that are like, dude, you drive that piece of shit, yeah. right? But no one else really cares. Uh, what other examples? Oh, everyone, you know, I'm a, I'm a woman, and they're all looking at me and, because I'm, no, no one really cares. You're doing a good job. Uh, I work in this female-dominated, everyone t- treats me different because I'm a man. No, they don't really care. <laughs> you you notice it because you're you mm-hmm. so I that's prob there may be some of that happening again I'm not saying that your kids aren't gonna experience uh racism because they will at some point somebody's gonna say something to them and like I said they'd say it to them if they were black or if they were Hispanic or if they were white they're gonna it's gonna happen and if that's what they focus on it's gonna <clears throat> probably have more impact if you go, oh, yeah, yeah, sometimes people are jerks. Don't worry about it. Yeah. I would focus on teaching your kids to be good human beings, and I think they'll be just fine.
1: Yep. Yeah, they're... Uh, the ch- well, they're HAPA, right? You know mm-hmm. we call it HAPA when mm-hmm. you're half white. <clears throat> so, yeah, uh, and also do we... Like, it doesn't feel like that. I don't feel like the, ch- the, the pol- political scenario mm-hmm. with China... Affects Chinese American citizens like the view. It doesn't feel like that. Yeah. Like well, not a, in my environment anyway. I feel like China is more is less about a Chinese person. It's more about China the the government. It's like the Chinese government. Yep. That's what I feel as the entity, not the you know the Chinese people, whatever. Oh, but yeah, agree. Like yeah, you. It's weird how. And I always thought this even before I had kids, but I have kids now, so mm-hmm. I'm paying attention. It's weird how they don't and really. Your kids are Hapa. Yeah, they're all yeah, Well, mm-hmm. they're they're like a quarter. So, but there's no the word three for quarter, is there? Nah, <laughs> well, I'm sure there is, but <laughs> but nonetheless, yeah, they are mixed and and but look, we're in San Diego now, so keep that in mind. So mm-hmm. there's various races right. that are around, which kind of proves the point in in a di- in a way a little bit more, where they don't notice all the different races, they mm-hmm. notice different different attributes for sure. They notice a girl with blonde hair. They notice a girl with curly hair, you know, they notice the differences, but they don't really understand, like, oh, yeah, that person's a different race, and with race comes all this other stuff, or well, they don't know that kind of stuff, if you don't, like, teach them about it, you know, so yeah. it's like, okay, first, how much are you going to teach them about that kind of stuff, and how are you going to teach them about that stuff? So, I mean, you know, to everyone has their own approach to kids and all that, so I, I dig it, but I do know this, that the more negative stuff you're teaching them, the worse, so even if you're going to teach about the different races and all that, like as kids, I, yeah. I mean, I agree with you, man. Just let them be kids and yeah. you know, whatever. But hey, man, if you're going to choose to do that and you find yourself saying negative stuff about anything, mm-hmm. negative stuff, you're teaching them to already have a negative yeah. look uh, or take on, on things, right. but regardless of what they are.
0: Yeah, like some people are going to look down on you because you're Chinese. Yep, That's exactly. actually a true statement. Yep. There's two people yep. in your class. Yeah. Of hundred and forty children in the school yeah. that are jerks
1: yeah and now you run the risk of these kids now going out yeah, every day looking for that one guy for, or the two guys yeah. or whatever and <laughs> and then when when one of your kids
0: cheats at square ball or what's that game called <laughs> what's that game dodgeball dodgeball four yeah. square for your kids yeah. cheats at Foursquare, and someone says something to them they think it's because they're Chinese that they're getting talked to <laughs> not because they freaking cheated yeah so Yeah, I would treat your kids like kids, like I said. I would teach them to be good human beings, and they're going to experience, just like everybody does, some negativity from the world for whatever. Yeah. It's coming.
1: Yep. And— Here's a and that 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 is cool that um, someone's like exposed to other cultures and now that's a a, a, a blended kind of family in that way right so mm-hmm. it's kind of like oh yeah you get your eyes open to certain things that maybe you didn't think about it so I dig it <clears throat> um, but I would be careful with races like calling things racist when something can be racial and not racist because so if it's like hey that yeah, Chinese guy you can even make a joke about it like a Chinese or a certain race and it's not necessarily racist racist is if you think like your race is superior or you think a certain race is inferior that's essentially it just because you point it out make a joke even stereotypes technically are not racist technically so i think a lot of times
0: we so wait so racist according to Echo Charles' definition, which I don't know if I want to jump in on right now. Racist is negative. There's like a negative and a superior mm-hmm. or a superior and an inferior. Yeah, exactly.
1: Racial is what? Just has to do with race. Got it. So if I'm like, yeah, Jocko is a white dude, you know, hey, that white dude walking in the room, yeah, that was, that, that was a racial statement, but it's not bad. It's like, mm. you know, Okay, so I realize this. Where are you getting
0: these definitions from, bro? Is this just how you feel about it? Or is this like some technical?
1: Well, that's what racism means. Like a lot of times, and we get this a lot now, where you can we as a society will take um, like a definition and then use it as an inferred and assumed conclusion for certain actions, you know? So it's like, oh, yeah, um, you know, Jocko as a white man um, said, you know, called Echo Brownie or I don't know, something like that. And he goes, he must be racist. But the, to connect the dots between Jocko calling Echo Brownie and actual racism as it's defined as thinking your race is superior or any other race is inferior, individually or whatever, if you t- you connect those dots, there's a lot of steps there. And a lot of assumptions have to be made in a very specific way for it to, to be true. And usually it's not true. But now we just assume, and everyone's like sensitive about it. And I dig it because sometimes it does mean that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes Jocko really is racist, and that's why he's calling him Brownie, you know? And because sometimes that's true, but a lot of times it's not true. And I know that, and I realize this um, kind of just thinking back growing up in Hawaii, everybody's different races. Mm-hmm. So you call them by their race, whether you're teasing them or not. <laughs> if you don't know, it's just part of the gig. So there's no. Um, And so and then some people like they'll say literally the derogatory term and not mean it in any kind of superior inferior way. Like it's like that open, you know, Mm -hmm. so you you get a lot of experience understanding like, oh, yeah, just because someone called you by your race or, or making reference to your race, even if they're making a literal joke about your race, it doesn't mean they're being racist you get to like actually feel what that feels like, where it's like, oh, now I can separate the mm. assumed racism with their statements or whatever. Yeah. You get a lot of experience with that. Yeah,
0: well, I think what what you're talking about there is like when you're growing up in Hawaii with all these, de- everyone's just, everyone's mixed race, and so it just becomes like a sort of normal thing to talk about, mm. which I which I think is one way of it being dealt with in a fairly positive way. Cause we're like, oh, that's just the way it is. Cause you're, you look this way and you look that way and you look some other way. I think that's a, an environment that it gets handled in what I could, would consider to be like a fairly good way. But in a situation like this, where it's like, I, I would, you know, I, first of all, I don't know where they live. If they live in a place that's predominantly like a bunch of black people, or they live in a place that's predominantly a bunch of white people, or they live in a pro- place that's whatever, mm-hmm. like. Uh, it doesn't really matter to me. I would not try and make this, unless they live in Hawaii, I guess, Mm -hmm. which is possible. But if they live in Hawaii, cool, you can just do the Hawaiian thing of just like that's what we're gonna do. I would say pretty much anywhere else, let's just be good people and not focused on what race your kids are, what race your wife is, because you're gonna be good people out there
1: we're all people with the same the same gig mm-hmm. yeah and and also too like to and here's the kind of the drawback to be in a in a <clears throat> environment that like things are not just automatically assumed as racist is that there are places where if someone calls you brownie, they are straight up racist. There are places like that, so I don't want to like diminish that fact because that does exist. so I don't be like, oh it doesn't exist or whatever. I'm just saying. Keep your eyes open on that one.
0: Yeah, check. All right, well, congratulations on your wife becoming an American citizen, and have a good time. All right, next question. question.
1: Hello, honestly, I'm not an avid listener, but stumbled upon the Jocko podcast after Dr. Huberman hosted an interview. I have a question that may be polarizing, but it's truly, truly a question of curiosity and discussion. I also watched a clip from the podcast asking, are kids being raised too soft? As a middle school teacher listening to this prompt reminded me of a discussion my dad, Vietnam vet, and I had, the question is this, would the US benefit from requiring all high school students to serve in the US military in some form after high school and before college? Not a true draft, but rather a service obligation. I asked the question for several years or for several, several reasons. First, this would develop many cr- crucial skills and discipline for students to then successfully work through college. Second, there is a stereotype of military members, their background, interests, etc., that perhaps has some truth to it. I don't know these statistics and from requiring service, this would, di- it would diversify military members. Again, I'm not knowledgeable to have and have no background with the military, so I could be way off. And, uh, and by no means in, intend to offend anyone. But you are got to go way harder to offend me, bro. It's all good. <laughs> but there's a piece of me that sees too much freedom as dangerous, mostly because if given the choice, human make humans make bad choices, decisions, and in my opinion, complacency is a far scarier epidemic than anything. Thank you for your service.
0: Right on. Well, yeah, this is uh, – Discipline equals freedom, yeah. so we have to have discipline and not just a bunch of freedom. Uh, do I believe that the military is good for people? Yes, I do. It was v- it was extre- extraordinarily good for me. So I definitely uh, agree with that sentiment, but I, I don't really think that the military or military service should be mandatory or should be required. Um, I don't think that. I, yes, would it help people develop skills and develop discipline? Yep, it certainly would. Be very positive on a lot of people. A lot of people could use a, a couple, two years in the military. <laughs> would it help diversify the military? Yeah, it would. It would. There'd be people in the military that wouldn't normally be in the military. So that would, there, there may be some benefits to that. Now, just so you know, uh, the, the military is a pretty, pretty accurate cross section of America in terms of like who joins it. Now there's people that never join the military, right? There's like, you know, people that are just totally anti-military. They have, uh, anti-military thoughts. They have an anti-military, just personality. Like maybe they might be a, they might be a, conservative person that's, you know, a red blooded American, but they still don't have the personality to want to join the military. Mm-hmm. So, so you, or you could have a very liberal person that is fired up to be in the military. So that does happen. I mean, I had all, there's all kinds of freaking hippies and metal heads and burnouts that were in the military there's also a bunch of red blood red, red blooded patriotic this is just gonna get everybody so you get a cross-section that's what i'm saying um also even some of those people on either side don't want to join the military as i just said so you get some people that just don't want to be in the military they don't like being in that type of environment they don't want to be outside you know i got a i got a friend who uh lives here in san diego well he's a seal and his wife like doesn't like to be outside in a in a natural environment, mm. like the beach. Mm. She, you when you say the beach, she's like sand. <laughs> 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 you know what I mean? Yeah.
1: Yes. You know, like yeah.
0: oh, do you you want to go to the beach? Sand, like yeah. it's just or like okay. hey, we're gonna go camping. Camping mm. tent? No, <laughs> like that kind of thing. Sure. Yeah. And, and so there's people that have that reaction to like uniform, like yeah. you know, boots, like they, they just don't wanna do it. Yeah. So there's some people that just don't wanna be in the military. There's also people that you don't want in the military, right, there's certain personality types that are just not gonna be helpful in the military. So maybe I would look at, you know, discussion of other forms of service, you know, some kind of Peace Corps thing, some kind of AmeriCorps thing, but again, I, And those things I think would have some beneficial like the military. You're serving a, a cause that's bigger for yourself. You learn discipline. You learn teamwork. But the bottom line for me is individual freedom is paramount. And I think that mandating people to serve in the military or mandating people to do anything really besides follow the basic laws that we have in this country, which in my opinion should be based on. Not harming anyone else, not causing damage. If you're not harming anyone and you're not damaging anything, I, I'm kind of okay with it. I mean, I'm trying to think if there's something that I should be thinking. Is there anything that is there? Is there any is there any behavior that a person can have that they shouldn't have that doesn't hurt somebody or hurt somebody else or destroy
1: things? Yeah, I mean I guess it depends on what you mean by hurt someone else cuz that could be like another other ways, you know, rather mm. than just physically hurting somebody. But yeah, I, I yeah, I agree.
0: But like mm. what other ways? Like stealing from them financially? Psychologically harming them? Like I think it's all bad. Right, so if right, you're doing right. that kind of stuff, yeah. if you're hurting other people, yeah. you don't get to do that. That's that's what the laws should be. Yeah. But if you want to uh, you know, waste your life sitting around drinking beer, mm. If you don't want to wear your seatbelt in your car, hey. Okay. Now I guess there's some you could you could extrapolate that out. Where if you're not wearing your seatbelt, you're you know you're raising the costs of medical. Like so, you could there's yeah. some things that you could extrapolate yeah. out and make sense of. Yeah, and so that's, that's not that's a great really example, but uh, smoking, yeah. like you want to smoke, bro. Yeah. Okay. Now advertising to kids to get them to smoke. Nope, not allowed to do that. Yeah. So I, I guess, I'm i sure we could figure it out. Yeah. But fundamentally, I you should be able to do what you want to do as long as you're not hurting somebody else or you're not damaging anything yeah. else. That's where I'm at. Yeah. So for me, making people join the military, making people, even making people do Peace Corps or AmeriCorps or volunteer work or anything like that, we're starting to impose on people. Mm. I don't want to do that. I believe in freedom. Individual freedom is mm. kind of paramount for me. So, that's where I'm at. Appreciate the question. Thanks, Welcome to the uh,
1: underground there. Yeah. Good to meet you. Yeah, isn't it interesting when you kind of let yourself go down the rabbit hole of like the idea of hurting someone else where it's like, sure, direct like hurting someone else can be super clear. Like, yeah, you can't do that yeah. or whatever. And the, but if you kind of go like maybe even a secondary like hurting someone else like um, I don't know, you said smoking, right? Where mm-hmm. it's like Oh, you can smoke if you want. It goes ah, but we found out that secondhand smoke is the thing. Yeah. Okay, and so now we got to close like no yeah. smoking now indoors no smoking and all indoors. this stuff. So, like, and then but then you you mentioned the seatbelt thing. Yeah. Where it's like oh yeah, seatbelt. Hey, you want to kill yourself? Go ahead. You know, like it, literally, like the seatbelt is for your personal yeah. individual safety. But then you you noted the secondary effects, where it's yeah. like oh now the medical, which kind of involves like more than just you. Right. You know. Right. But then even that becomes a slippery slope. Then that way okay if by that logic if you keep it going it's yep. kind of like now you're going to start regulating people's diet. Right right. Well yeah
0: not, and not on that but now you know if everyone's only driving 40 miles an hour mm-hmm. the you know hospital yep. trips go down to so yeah yep. it's a very it's very that that's why uh, you got to figure that stuff out and you got to figure out where you're going to draw the line.
1: Yeah. Yeah that's the trick right? Yeah. Especially when yeah, you have And picking. that's
0: why like to the last question, I won't get super caught up in this stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah, okay, there's some good points to that. There's some good points the other way. I, okay. I can see the pros to one, cons to the other. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yep. yep. Either one kind of works. Yeah. there's going to be some benefits. There's going to be some negatives. Okay.
1: But you do get to a point, and I guess for every individual that's different, it gets to the point where it's like, hey, wait a second. This, Thing is being imposed on me a little bit more yep.
0: than it should be. That's why I'm going to lean towards individual freedom.
1: Yeah.
0: Right? Even if it came down to it and they like, Jocko, you need to make a decision on seatbelts.
1: Yeah. I'd be like, okay,
0: well, no seatbelts. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what about helmets? You know, we got to wear helmets now.
0: Helmets on motorcycles.
1: Yeah, but don't kids have to wear helmets if they're on their on their bike? And I stuff? do not know. I, I'm pretty bro, sure. The I don't know. B- have
0: you seen e bikes, bro? These things are motorcycles. There's gangs running around my neighborhood of 14 year old, 13 year old kids on e-bikes that go 30 miles an hour.
1: Yeah, that's like a moped scenario. Yeah, But uh, motorcycles are like, that's 50, 60. And you know, even on the
0: seatbelt thing, I'd have to see the statistics, right? I'd have to see the statistics. Now a good, here's a good one. Here's how they kind of split the real easy to me. Like kids in car seats with seatbelts. That's that that you that needs to be, yeah. because that kid is not old enough to be responsible enough. Yeah. So if you're doing something driving around with your kid and they're not buckled in, now look. When I was a kid, we were in the back of a freaking pickup truck in yeah. the back of a station wagon, yeah. sprawled <laughs> out, going seventy miles an hour down the freeway. No one cares. Yeah. Yeah. But you you know you see a couple of accidents where kids get thrown out of a car and, and they're dead. You're like, okay, kids need to have seatbelts. So because yeah. they're because they're not responsible enough for themselves. Um, So I'd have to see the statistics on the seatbelt thing before I actually made my decree and figured out what the costs were and all that. But I lean towards people should be doing what they want to do. And that's where I would lean on most laws. Hey, you're not hurting anybody, do it,
1: go ahead yeah yeah and you make a good point it was almost like a disclaimer where you're like uh, you know I want to see the statistics or whatever really that kind of goes for everything where it's like yeah of course we think this thing because we live our own specific life but it's like hey if you if the decision is on you bro we're going to need to to see more info either way Mm -hmm. you see what I'm saying so Mm -hmm. we're making the right one not ignorant which you know in my case most of my decisions and you know just the question I
0: like this is a valid point like he's right military would help people Service help people, guaranteed. You go in the military for two years or you join the reserves and you go to boot camp, you're gonna be a better person. You're gonna be a better person because of it. But I don't wanna mandate things on humans. Yeah. Yep, there you go. There
1: you go. Next Thanks. question. A few days ago, I suffered my first the first injury of my life. I'm 43 years old, been active my entire life. I hunt, I work out, play rugby, and even though I've been hurt, I've never suffered a serious injury until last week. I've been a police officer for 19 years. And while at the range was working with fellow instructors on some moving and shooting drills when I ruptured my Achilles tendon. (laughs) Oh, my boy Squatty Lewis that I Mm -hmm. mentioned, he ruptured his Achilles tendon. The thing about that
0: injury is it comes out of nowhere. Yeah. Like I've known people that, oh, they're getting out of their car and they ruptured their Achilles tendon. Oh, damn. And it's like, like this guy, he's doing shooting and moving drills. Yeah. Like they're doing live fire in the range and they're not jumping up and down. They're not getting crazy. They're just like moving and shooting. All of a sudden he's got a ruptured Achilles tendon. Okay,
1: Yeah. check. Oh, I just saw the parallels there. Okay, I'll be out for six months after surgery. I'm all, I'm already going completely crazy because being because of being laid laid up. Any suggestions on how I can keep my mental and physical condition up while during this recovery? Thank you for all, for all both of you have done and continue to do.
0: Okay, so from a physical perspective, you know the deal. You're gonna do what you do what you can, right? If you uh, you can do one leg exercises. Uh, there's pull-ups. There's push-ups. There, you can do. There's a, a a million different exercises that you can do. Look, can you do that after you get the surgery? Like you're gonna, be in, you're gonna be laid up for a few days. Now, Dan Knosson lost both of his legs. As soon as he wake, woke up, he's like, put a pull-up bar above my bed. <laughs> mm. Right. Yeah. That's what we're doing. Nick Lavery's just like, oh, I freaking lost a leg. Okay, I'm just start working out. <laughs> what? Back to it.
1: <laughs> Everything. else. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You know, like what? So go listen to the podcast with Nick Lavery, go listen to the podcast with Dan Knausson, like you're gonna be okay. Uh, there's a bunch of exercises you can do. One of my buddies got um, knee surgery, like super gnarly knee surgery, ACL, PCL, MCL, whatever, triple threat, the whole thing just blown yeah. out, right? Sure. And uh, he, would do this, he would do the rower, the Concept2 rower. Mm-hmm. He'd have his leg that was in a big giant freaking e-mobile brace. He had that leg on a skateboard. Mm. That's what he's doing, one-legged rowing. You know, going for it, putting out. Mm. Uh, So get awesome one-arm pull-ups. Get those back in the game, right? You know you get to do a one-arm pull-up? You take a rope and you put it around the pull-up bar and you put it pretty high up. Mm. So it's almost like you're using two arms but the one with the rope is a little bit below the other one. And then over time you make that rope longer and longer and longer and longer and longer until you don't need it anymore. Hmm. So do that, bro. Six months.
1: So the rope is like a spotter. almost. It's like kind a spotter. A yeah, I mean, but the
0: lower it gets, I mean, imagine you. Harder, yeah. yeah. So do that for six months. Get yourself some one arm pull-ups, right? So that's what we're going to do from a, from a physical perspective. And by the way, look, they tell you not to do anything. They go, listen, for the next set, for the next seven days, we don't want you to move. Okay, cool, dude. Freaking go watch Breaking Bad. Right sure. w- when when COVID hit, my son watched all of Bre- like. Remember the first like, whatever the first week of COVID. Yeah, where everyone was staying in their houses yeah. for like the first week. Yeah, yeah, my son's like he watched all of Breaking Bad in like five <laughs> days or whatever, four <laughs> days, the whole thing. Yeah, there you go. You know, and yeah. he worked out four hours a day. But then yeah. you know, so do that, dude. Go watch Breaking Bad. Go watch Better Call Saul. Go go <laughs> watch go watch something like freaking chill out, whatever. Uh, There you go, mental aspect, read. Read, read a bunch, write. Of course, get a guitar, obviously, and start playing guitar. Obviously. Six months, you could be a hell of a good guitar player. You can't do other things that you would normally do. You can't go to work, cool. That's six hours a day of freaking guitar. Get good at guitar. Draw, paint, uh, archery. You can still do archery. Freaking hobbling up and down the range with your Achilles tendon cast on, good. Mm-hmm. Shoot your bow. You're a hunter, go shoot your bow. Shoot your pistol, you little pistol simulator in the house. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, watch out for social media and killing yourself or wasting all of your time with that. Professional development, right? What about all these courses you can take for your for your police department? Be a badass. Learn all of these technical things that they, that you need to learn. Learn some legal stuff. Learn to code, as they say. Uh, so, mental, there's all kinds of stuff you can do mentally. I actually look at this as like a huge opportunity. A huge opportunity. I, sometimes I think about that right now. Like, oh, if I get injured right now, if I tore my Achilles tendon tomorrow, I would get so much shit done in six months. It'd be ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. so there's like, oh, Jocko's got three books coming out. <laughs> <laughs> it's six months. Yeah. Right, yep. and he's and one of them is in Spanish, <laughs> you know sure. what I'm saying? Yeah, so, yeah. take advantage of this. That's what's happening, man. Sorry about your Achilles tendon. Let's uh, let's. I won't tell Dan Knosson and I won't tell Nick Lavery that you asked this question. We'll keep it between <laughs> us. Jack,
1: do you know Derek Weeda? You know Derek Weeda, right? How do I know? Him? Uh, you. I don't know, he's kind of in our circles. Anyway, he's missing legs, but he's in like oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. super yeah. good shape. Yeah, he trains up, Uh, I think at first, it looks yeah. like first form, I think. So. But anyway, yeah, it's like that kind of example is kind of yeah, like, oh, sure. wait a second, like I injured one of my legs and this guy simply doesn't have it. Yeah. And he's like doing better than most people. It's like, yeah. okay, how'd he get man. there? Yeah, so it kind of puts it into perspective. And that whole thing, and and we talked about this before, where it's like, and you, and you put it in these terms, which is really good terms, by the way. I would use it as an opportunity because it's kind of what it is. Because dude. if you don't have a torn Achilles tendon, you have other stuff you have to do. Yeah. You know, right now you're out. Hey, you're out. You can't do those things. Yep. So what that does is it has this big window of time <laughs> that you have to do all the things.
0: Yeah. Not all. Bro, when I got things, I got COVID one time, and uh, dude, I got so I like played more guitar. Yeah. And this was uh, yeah. You and I both got COVID. Remember that yes, I do so we could still record because yeah. you know, we were both infected <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah. We can't even recorded when we were infected because yeah. everything was shut down or whatever Yeah, and you and me were just kind of doing whatever we were doing That's really yeah. what we got <laughs> in the first place. Anyways, <laughs> yeah. I like learned so much guitar. Yeah In a sh- in whatever it was four days or whatever it was six days whatever I was stuck in my house for yep.
1: Yeah. yeah, man because Normally you don't have time for all that. Yeah. Now, hey, today we got bro, time. We got time. Yep.
0: So let's go take advantage of this, bro. Con- hey,
1: c- congratulations. <laughs> yep. Yeah. All right. Next question. Hey, Jocko, what do you think about meditation?
0: Uh, I haven't done it. You can listen to my answer on the Huberman podcast about this. So I haven't done it. I don't have anything against it. I just haven't done it. I don't know. Uh. I know Sam Harris tried, I owe Sam Harris, I was gonna do two weeks of following his meditation app, I think I did one like day of it. Mm-hmm. I didn't do it, I just listened to the intro, and I was like, I got shit to do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think I, I think I might not now owe it to Huberman as well, cause I kind of, I understand that there's gotta be some benefits to it, a lot of people that I really respect and like do it, yeah. and they say it's great. Mm-hmm. So, at some point, I'm gonna try it, but I haven't done it before. It seems like there would be some good benefits to it. Uh, you know, I also think that, you know, I and, and people have now started to not allow me to give the answer, like, do I meditate? Yeah, I do jujitsu, I surf, right. I work out. They're like, that's not meditation. Like, okay, and yeah, yeah, it's okay, it's not, right? Yeah. Although when you read about what you're supposed to get from meditation, yeah. <sighs> try jujitsu, man, try surfing. You might, you might come out of that water feeling like, uh, like you feel good. Now, the difference is, I would guess that sitting down and thinking about what you need to do would be beneficial. Mm. But that's not really what meditation is. Mm. When I read about meditation, it seems more like what you feel like when you get done surfing or you get done training the jujitsu mm. or some activity like that. But I've been informed that that is not equivalent. So I apologize. Um but I haven't done it, and I, at some point, I'll do it. Maybe when I tear my Achilles tendon,
1: Well, I'll just like, thinnest.
0: okay, yeah. got that extra hour a day mm-hmm. where I can't run, and I'm doing rowing with one leg and the other leg on a skateboard, yeah. maybe I'll have a little time for some meditation. I'm gonna do it at some point, I'm sure it's good, right, but I haven't done it, that's my answer.
1: Do you have skateboard at home?
0: Yeah, a few.
1: Dang, I got two myself, I shred, no big deal.
0: Can you so, ollie? No. Okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I don't shit. No. Bro, I was watching this thing. You're the one that called me out on snowboarding where you're like, oh, can you catch air like that? Mm-hmm. when I was like, hey, I'm improving." So I, by happenstance, saw a video mm-hmm. by... I forget the guy's name and I apologize because it's it's a good video. And he's like, hey, are you... And Here's a video. Are you a beginner, intermediate, or advanced mm-hmm. snowboarder? And he goes through the, the whole deal. Right. And then he adds at the end, he's like, "Then, then there's pro, which is which is beyond advance, mm. but also beyond advance, which is almost to the side of advance, is a freestyle, okay. which now you invoke the same beginner, intermediate, and advanced. Freestyle is like park, ramps, half pipe, like that kind of stuff. It's like freestyle stuff, which mm-hmm. it's kind of separate than snowboarding. So yeah, if you ask me if I can ollie, actually, which is a different thing, I guess. Either way, that's a side note. Um, yeah. <laughs> as, uh, as far as meditation goes, Sam Harris. Said this, and I agree with the the mm. notion of hey, jujitsu and surfing, not the same thing. It's uh, put it this way. Understood. understood. I don't. I'm not, don't I'm not making the claim, but I don't
0: know if it's the same thing or not. I think I probably said that on Twitter.
1: Yeah. In a Twitter mood. Yeah. Someone's like, "Do you, you
0: meditate?" And I'm like, "Jujitsu." Yeah. Next you know what I mean? To say that. Like, so a it's few all times. good. Yeah. I wasn't <laughs> trying to have a philosophical debate. Wasn't making claims. I wasn't <laughs> yeah. saying i black belt meditation. Yeah. Just like it's almost I, honestly. Let's face it. It's a little bit of just a joke, like. Yeah, yeah. I do you meditate? It. I do jujitsu. Yeah. Ha ha. Carry on.
1: Right, right. Yeah, and I I got that from you too, um, but you know, as as, as the case is, that's more so than because I don't know if it's the same thing or not. To be honest with you, yeah. but at the same time, I do know that's not what they're asking. Yeah. They're saying this very specific practice of meditation, so. Sam Harris said there's two kinds of meditation or whatever and one is one is something that actually could be compared to like jujitsu surfing like something that's basically going to calm your mind and mm-hmm. you know like maybe open up like your attention to certain things and all that stuff and then you feel better more of like a relaxation scenario. Then the second time is to and I'm totally paraphrasing but it's essentially to to explore your mind in ways that you you don't normally and it's sure. like there's so much depth to it or whatever. So one of like one of the goals or functions of it that second time is, okay, so you know how when you go through life, you're ignoring a lot of stuff and you brought, remember the other day you brought up that, um, that it's a video where you see, you, it's a bunch of people with a basketball and they say, yeah, yeah. count how many yep. times this basketball is Gets passed. Gets passed from one hand to the other. And then you count and then they go, you didn't notice the gorilla that walked in and you watch watching right. and you're like, holy shit, I can't yeah. believe it. So the point there is, you're ignoring so many things in your life, straight up, just ignoring them. Your brain is filtering everything out because of what you know, whatever your intentions are in life, daily, yearly, mm-hmm. whatever. Now, when you go meditate, what you do is you start to pay attention to more and more and more and more and more things, or start focusing on very specific things that you normally wouldn't focus on. That's essentially the mechanism. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure there's a lot more to it, um, but in that way jiu-jitsu and surfing even though it may feel that I don't think it's the same thing Mm -hmm. as far as as far as meditation I don't think it is either
0: but I made some jokes on Twitter (laughs) (laughs) meditate (laughs) on that (laughs) (laughs) all right Uh, meditation
1: boy Uh, all right cool next question oh when you meditate uh, yeah you got to report back because isn't because meditation just like snowboarding and In your case, surfing and stuff. Yeah, like you gotta, you can't just start. And you mentioned this too, which is actually, I I went kind of deep just mentally on this idea that you just said. It's like when you first start surfing or whatever, Mm -hmm. like it's not even fun. Not fun. Mm Because you're just falling in, you're not even surfing, you're just falling down. So meditation could be like that too. Yeah, exactly Mm -hmm. right. You gotta watch out. So you gotta, you gotta like put in the the time and the, yeah, and the work. And then you gotta get to the blue belt. Or the intermediate and then you can start paying attention and reporting back you see what i'm saying okay all right hey man i don't right know I'm, I'm here to help I'm appreciate it all right last quest do you have a recommended reading list of non-military books in addition to your books i've re- in addition to your books i've read about face excellent never split the difference also excellent that's chris voss the gulag archipelago long but good red blood black sand and the rape of nanking as well as multiple other military-related books from the podcast. I was wondering if you have any more recommendations similar to your books or Never Split the Difference. Not that I don't love a good war book, but something more specifically focused on tactics and their implementation, specifically in the business sector. Any advice is much appreciated. Uh,
0: Specific business sector. Uh, American Icon. It's about Ford. Motor Company and Alan Mulally who took over um, that's honestly i've not read a lot of business books I just I just haven't read a lot of them uh, I guess I read outliers mm. by Malcolm Gladwell I read thinking fast and slow and a Business book, I'm not really sure. I would have to go and review my library to give you a a list beyond that because it's a very short list. Mm. And and I just gave you the books that actually left some kind of mark in my head. Uh, The books that I read that are non-military books, like, I you know Kurt Vonnegut came up on the last game or two game podcast ago, you know Cuz cuz I remember Kurt Vonnegut's books were very intriguing to me. He's funny uh, But there's a, always a serious kind of undertone cat's cradle bluebeard slaughterhouse five. Those are great books Tom wolf Tom wolf You know, he wrote the book the right stuff. He wrote the the electric acid the electric Kool-Aid acid test Which we talked about on one of the earliest podcasts that we did Electric yeah it's about like the hippies and the drug culture and there's one point where he's watching this like protest of hippies and he's talking about this speech that this woman is giving she's you know anti-government and anti-war and anti this and anti that and she's going off Mm. and he says what she was really saying is me 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 look at me and that reading that left a mark on me Mm. because I realized, number one, like I don't wanna be that person that's talking and all the words that are coming out of your mouth are basically saying, me, 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 look at me. And number two, how easy it is to see that when people are doing it.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And and so that idea from, and what's interesting about the electric Kool-Aid acid test, I was in Ramadi. The only book I read in Ramadi was about face. And I would just read like two, three pages a night. I would just like, in order to go to bed at four o'clock in the morning or whatever, I'd read. And Leif will tell you, like, I would be like, hey Leif, check this out. And I'd like, you know, show him a little thing that I read the night before, which matched exactly what we were going through. Mm-hmm. Um But then I, after a while, after like three months, I was like, dude, I need to read some other shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I love war, but I needed a little. I needed to take a little breather, mm-hmm. and for whatever reason, somebody at in camp had left the book,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, the electric Kool-Aid acid test, and so I was like, okay, I'll read it, and it was freaking good. That part really mm-hmm. stuck out to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that is a great book. Right Stuff is a great book. Cormac McCarthy. You, you know, uh, this is the first interview I ever did with Tim Ferriss. Uh, he asked, "What books?" do I recommend or gift? And I was like, there's only one book I gift and that's about face. Mm-hmm. And then I also mentioned Blood Meridian, which is just a freaking awesome book, which I know we're gonna cover on the podcast at some point, but I wanna be like, really take the time and effort to do it. Cormac McCarthy's been doing some interviews lately. Mm-hmm. He didn't. He's like never does interviews and now he's doing some. Oh, we need to figure out how to get Cormac McCarthy on the podcast. We can discuss Blood Meridian. Uh, he wrote The Road. He wrote No Country for Old Men. You know, look Shakespeare. I like to read Shakespeare. I read it a lot in college. That's where that's where I learned to look at things and go, "Oh, there's there's meaning here." And if you don't understand something, go look it up, idiot. <laughs> like you like like you just don't understand everything. Yeah. You read a, you read a line of Shakespeare. It might not make sense to you at all and you have to stop, and you have to look up this ancient archaic word, and you have to understand the way the syntax is different, and then you finally figure out the meaning of it, and then you realize that there's all four meanings to it. Mm. All those different lines are pregnant with so much information. That guy is crazy. Mm. I told you the statistics about his uh, vocabulary, right? Yeah. Like the average vocabulary of a person is like 4,000 words or 5,000 words. A doctor or a lawyer, or like a lawyer has 6,000 words or seven, and a doctor who has to learn Latin and all this shit, yeah. they've got like 7,000 words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in the texts of Shakespeare, he's got like 40,000 words. Damn. That's why some people think he was more than one people, but when you look at like the, the, the writing, you're like, oh, this is kind of the same dude. Yeah. So uh, I'm sorry I don't have a better list for you than that. But I'm also I just mostly read nonfiction books about freaking war bro. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. And I'll try and open up. You know there's times where I considered I actually considered like oh let's cover American Icon um, on the podcast. And because it's a great book, Al Ali did really great leadership in there. And I was like, as I started preparing it, I was kind of like, I mean we're gonna do that. Compared to about face we're gonna do that compared to helmet for my pillow we're gonna do that compared to with the old breed like mm-hmm. it's really hard to do that maybe I'll be able to do it in a little while yeah. and we could go through it and pull leadership lessons you know yeah. but we I just haven't gotten there so for me mostly it's just nonfiction books about war <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> sorry man um Wait, oh. you said American Icon doesn't compare. Why? Because they're not as. Because
0: in, in. With the old breed, yeah. you're talking about people fighting to the death. And in American Icon, you're like, oh, the, they were able to bring back this profitability in this mm-hmm. sector of the business. And like mm-hmm. that's cool, that's awesome, and I really like that book. I'm saying, please go read that book. Mm. And nothing but respect for Alan Mulally, He's a great leader. Mm. I've I've listened to some of his talks on YouTube. You're like, oh, like like, oh yeah, that's really good. He's talking about ownership. Yeah, it's yeah. like all these things. Yeah. It's great. But for the podcast, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah I don't yeah.
0: know. I just don't feel like it gets me there. Right, you know, I don't feel like it gets me there. I um, and I, I'm uh, maybe I feel, and as I'm saying that, I kind of feel like I'm a jerk. Like I'm a. Uh, like I'm a jerk about it, you know, yeah, but I, understand. Yeah, but, but, I know. but I, I, I tried mm-hmm. and I was like, man, we just, and who knows what book we had just done. Mm-hmm. You know, we had just done some book mm-hmm. about first person account of a person that landed in Tarawa or of a person that fought in the Falkland islands or whatever the case was. And now I'm reading about hey we really had a bad relationship with the union we had to work through it it's like okay that's
1: an awesome story right. but I I understand it yeah. didn't get me there yeah yeah you have this, me- this mental kind of comparison with like the heaviness yeah and stuff and it's like eh, it's not as heavy so it seems like lighter yeah they like, dig it so um there is two business but well, I don't know I'm adding these mm-hmm. just to maybe hopefully maybe help there um two that I read that I thought hey those are pretty small, good little good books mm-hmm. one called blue ocean strategy mm-hmm. and then another one called contagious how ideas spread it's called contagious yep, yep. and how ideas uh, spread
0: I was just listening to uh Tim Ferriss podcast with Bill Gurley mm-hmm. who's like a, a private equity guy from Benchmark and you know he's kind of Famous in the private equity world and really smart guy, mm-hmm. and he mentioned a bunch of books in there that sounded all sounded very interesting. Huh. So who knows? Maybe we take grab some of those books and break those down, and we can break down this Contagious book, and we can break down the American Icon book. Uh, cool, I'm down. Yeah. I just need to. I just need to get. I just need to not. I need to look at them on their own merits and not try and compare. That's probably the mistake that I made. Yeah, you know i I know that i I feel like when someone tunes in when someone turns on the Jocko podcast, mm-hmm. they have an anticipation of what to expect mm-hmm. and I want to deliver that mm-hmm. I don't want them to i want people to be like, okay cool, yep I know what time it is yeah you know I know what's I know what we're doing yeah, yeah. we're not talking about normal shit uh it's like when 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 Dakota Meyer came on the podcast and like we went out for lunch before we came to record, and you know he he was kind of indicating that it's hard for him to talk about and stuff like this, and I was like, you know what we're gonna do, right? And he said, I know what we're gonna do, and I was like, okay. So that feeling, I was like, yes, you know. Yeah. Uh, I, so I, what I need to do is I need to not put it in the, not put the business books in the context of war books. Mm. And I think maybe we can, we I can get there. So
1: yeah.
0: I know there's a bunch of great information in them, you know, uh, like I said, this Bill Gurley was talking about, all with Tim Ferriss was talking about all kinds of books. I was like, oh, that sounds really interesting. You Bill, know, Bill, Bill Gurley. Gurley, yeah. Okay. Um, he was one of the, he, you know, he's invested in like Every freaking big tech company except for Google, he missed.
1: Mm.
0: You know, but he's invested in Snapchat and Twitter and Uber and all these things. So he's made some really good calls. Yeah. Uh, so apparently he's writing a book as well. But, anyways, that's where we're at. I'm sorry. I, I read what I read. <laughs> I said what I said. All right. That's it for tonight, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for supporting the cause. Appreciate your support across the board. But most of all, I appreciate that you're out there getting better. Keep doing it. And until next time, we will be here on the underground. This is Echo and Jocko. Out.